to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the marketing minds at Do Convert, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you. We're here to help you and try to elevate the conversation. I'm Andrew Peake, and with me today, Kevin's not here, so this is super exciting. I feel like there should be a sign like the boss is away. Da, 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 da. <laughs> today is Jackie Lipinski and Becca Thomas. Hi. There we go. I need like a a radio voice or like an announcer voice at like a baseball stadium or something to practice that. I don't know if I ever told you, I'm sure online sales specialists have their OSC voice. Voice. Mm -hmm. Because I used to, for when I was poor in college, I worked in a collection like phone service, answering service thing. Mm -hmm. And I definitely like had to relearn how to talk after that because you just go into this like voiceover radio mode that's just not your voice so it'd I feel be like fun you'd to have hear. to have different voices depending on like the situation like you'd be like um you could be nice and kind of like reassuring or you could be like you need to pay oh this. i was you always i was always you were, nice you were paid yeah. based on what you collected right i would assume no that. i mean it wasn't like a an honest collection agency it was with um <laughs> like it wasn't <laughs> money it was like things that oh, they borrowed from marketing gotcha, practices gotcha. okay and so people would just like lose things. And so I okay. luckily I didn't have to be a, a meanie. I could be nice, but I, oh, I definitely man. had the best return rates than anyone well, else on go. my team because I was so, very yeah. sweet. So my What's robot that, voice honey's... worked. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, I can uh, I can jump into story time though since yeah. um no music this yeah. week because I don't have the cool I know. buttons. I know right, we'll just then. have to play, we'll play our phone in. Um yeah, so I uh, Julie sent a fun article to consider for the podcast and I thought it was a great opportunity to, uh, to bring up. It was, if anyone else noticed, uh, in the last two weeks, a lot of the websites, just some websites went down. The internet went down for about an hour. Yeah. It was just like, people were like, I don't know what's happening. I'm going, no big deal. I'm going to Twitter. I'm going to complain about it. Um, is this working (laughs) for you? Is it not working for you? Um, and it was, what did they say? It was due to one person trying to fix their internet who like somehow wiggled in there and it was just like one person did, took everything down. Yeah, that's insane. It must have just like, it kept like repeating whatever action they were trying to do. And it just like zzz, exponentially yeah. went out of control. Yeah. Yeah. Which reminded me, I know, I think I ta- told the story a few months ago, the story of a builder whose website went down on a Friday and they didn't realize till Monday. And there was just like, uh, we caught it and we tried to contact them, but uh, it just, nothing worked to bring it up because the person that. they needed to contact. Yeah. Everyone was off for the weekend. And so um, there are a few ways to make sure your website (laughs) will notify you if it goes down. Um, I think it's just even down notifier. I don't know, Andrew, if you have another option um, for people to sign up. That's super popular. Yeah, what it does is, or how they all function. So it's just find one that you like, find one that has the pricing. I'd say if you could find one that can email multiple people, it essentially pings your website just like Google Analytics would. And so like Mm -hmm. if there's not a response back, after you could probably set so you don't have false positives mm-hmm. yeah false positives to like okay we want two negative returns and a 10 minute period whatever it may be so you don't get these all the time and ideally it goes to more than one person so like if yeah if you're busy if someone else is busy yeah and, they and it won't that onto your and what's nice is yeah it won't get lost in your email because you can be text like get a text alert like your website's down quickly go look yeah that would be good the site's <laughs> yeah. down your email's down and it's trying to email you yeah, which be, is yeah, which was the problem useful. of last time. They weren't at, like their emails weren't ah, crushing, email. so they oh. so they didn't know we had to reach them. Yeah, so um, it's definitely a case for. Um, so we use, and a lot of people use Google as their server, like their um, Gmail servers, Google Suite or Google Host or whatever it may be called. 
So that's separate than the do you convert website. A lot of people use that. And so that then separates and risk for that. But if Google's down, then chances are, you know, that's, that's a big issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so just have, have things in place in case you not saying your website yeah. goes down, but well, it, it, it probably CYA happens approach. every age. Yeah, for, for sure. So, and then Becca, I know you have a really fun story. Yeah. So, um, I got an email from a builder a couple of weeks ago and they're like, Hey, I have 56 people on a VIP list to purchase a move-in ready home. Um, okay. I'm getting nervous. Should I up the ad spend <laughs> and try to get more people? Or should I just hope that 56 is enough? <laughs> it was like, well, we are in different times, right? <laughs> so it made me think back to the the times when we were happy to have one or two buyers for just one house. And uh, I think those days are starting to return if you're in anywhere else other than Texas. So if you're kind of in the northern half or the eastern half of the United States, um, it's starting to see a little bit more need to turn your ads back on and maybe not as high as 56 people, which ended up being at the time of release for this this home, 78 people on the list. Now they didn't include the pricing, so that did significantly reduce their um, amount of actual serious home buyers. But they did mm-hmm. end up with a multiple offer situation with a few of them over bidding. Nice. But they did have a little bit of a buyer's remorse for the overbid. So. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. That uh that recency bias is strong. Like we just don't even recognize it. And then when yeah. you're too close to it, you're like, well, re- they might be used to a higher number. And so 56 is is stressful yeah. because you're just so used to what is recent. Yeah. That, you know, when it does change, you're like, oh my goodness. And so you said it's funny you said I I saw a Facebook post, I think it was last night or this morning, and they were talking about like things falling off was the language that was used. And just it was very mm-hmm. I don't know if they meant for it to sound negative, but like my perception was like, oh, this sounds bad. Like, this is not good. Yeah. But it's just like this insane demand is decreasing. Demand's still there. Like, it's still yeah. very positive, still very healthy. And, but the words were like, oh, we're falling off. And it just made it seem like, like, oh, the sky's falling. Like, this is not good. Like, not good at all. But like, this is kind of normal. Like, it's getting like, that's going to happen. And like, there's still plenty of demand. Things are still selling. So it's, the words used are definitely going to be, We'll talk about it here with some of the news articles. Like the words used have strong with when demand's this hot, when yeah. things have had a lot of emotion. I still think there's a lot of emotion pent up from like COVID and pandemic and all this yeah. changes that we've had the past two years, a lot of stress and everything. The words that are chosen can very quickly bring out these emotions. Of, so I read falling off. I'm like, oh, man, right? you're stressing me out now. When really it's just like, oh, we had a 10, 15% decrease. We had to turn ads back on to 10% of what they used to be. Right. Like, oh, I yeah. wouldn't call that falling anywhere. That sounds like really good, actually. Our so it's, it's expectations have grown with mm-hmm. the market. And mm-hmm. now that it's going from unhealthily overactive to like, instead of running a marathon every day, you're kind of like maybe one a week. Like, oh, we can, we can like, breathe. Oh, goodness. Where did everything go? 
Yeah, <laughs> that's great. You're, you're not supposed to be stressed at all points. So I think the yeah. the people who yeah, are the just like, yeah, I don't understand. I'm supposed to, you know, not slept today. It's no, you can you can sleep now, but it's still it's, it's yeah. okay to get a coffee. It's 15 yeah. minutes. Like come back. Like it's it's totally okay. Take yeah, a that, that brings me Put- to uh, to my story. We just had our last day for the Market Proof Marketing Academy. Um, that went on this week. It was a great time. It's always it's always so much fun having different people than mm-hmm. we're used to interacting with on a regular basis as far as our, our builder partners that we're seeing all the time. And, and for a lot of cases, we've seen them for the past three, four, five, six years plus. Um, so it's, it's fun seeing new faces, new questions, going through everything on marketing A to mm-hmm. Z, and then some, which is great. And then also it's, you get like the the Oakleyisms, like these life stories within there, where he talked about like who was around during like this period, and it's like crickets, crickets, you know, because <laughs> since I th- forgot what was his year, eighteen years, seventeen years, I can't remember, whatever it was, but he was talked about like you know everything works right now as far as like if if you put an ad out there, you get mm-hmm. traffic, boom, it's yeah. selling, but where you where you really put yourself, where you really learn is when the market's going this direction, yet. Your company, your leads, your traffic is going in opposite direction. Um, you really, and that's where you you want to then learn and level up all the time. So when there are those times, you're ready for it, and then you really prove like, hey, I know what I'm doing. I can keep sales flowing, keep leads flowing, all that mm-hmm. during those times. I'm like, okay, that's that's interesting, interesting point to bring up that because I think we forget about that that we have to continually get better, even when the market is kind of doing it for us. Like we still need to do it. And which is hard, I think, when half your ads are off, if not all of them, or 85, 90% of them. Like, I yeah. want to do more testing. You're like, shoot, I can't test anything right now because I can't run anything. So it's yeah, it's definitely a challenge on on how to level up when you're doing that. But it was a great time. It was it was awesome. And then we'll we of course get to hang out with them with everybody for a few more weeks. Um supporting them after the academy with any follow-up type of questions and one of one of my favorite questions or just subtle conversation points was you know we we're just asking how people are in the market and someone's like we're we're launching five new communities in the next like two months is that normal and you can see ever and they were they've only been in the industry for like two months this person and we're like no <laughs> like you no like no, and it was like not. in a market that- like it wasn't like three or four yeah. states I'm like oh okay yeah for that some- it, yeah. For some builders, it is, you know, semi-normal for some, you know, others, it's not, it, it wasn't necessarily normal for um, a lot of people we were working with at that time. And so it's also like, oh, I'm very new to this. And now I have to launch all these communities and I have no experience. And so I think you're right. Like just coming into the field with no experience, but also um, with everything working will definitely be very interesting for when that does turn or how to create um, creative solutions moving forward and from now. So, yeah, I was just thinking about that when you're saying that anyone who has started new in marketing, say this year, say when market has been crazy, like they, yeah, their next few years will probably be the hardest, which is, it's almost like a good thing. Mm -hmm. Next few years. I have no idea. I'm not predicting or forecasting when things change, but when things do change, when things do shift around a little bit that they will be like, Oh, okay. Now it's time to Time to put my boots on and get to work here. Like mm-hmm. I've been working, but just the challenge of like I have eight communities that need my attention now, versus like these one or two oddballs that are just you know something is goofy about them. So we have to give a bit more attention. Now I got eight to juggle. Great, this is fun. But I think I think that challenge is is enjoyable. 
Yeah. I know a lot of people, yeah, are, are just looking forward to proving themselves. So yeah. sure it'll be fun, but for sure. On to some news. To news. And, and speaking of proving yourself, so we Ooh. launched the Market Proof Awards. All right. Was that last week or two weeks ago, I guess, once this goes out? MarketProofAwards.com. It is never too soon to enter. We've had that <laughs> question a few times, and I think we just go over some questions that we had. So one, yeah, that, that's a common one. Is it too soon to enter? No, it's not too soon because submissions close. Is it July 9th? Mm-hmm, J- July 9th. July 9th. I'm impressed that I remember the date because I'm like, it's the 7th, it's the 4th. We wouldn't do it on the 4th. That's terrible. Like the 9th. <laughs> there will be some people. My personality is to wait. All right. It's submissions closed July 9th, 11.59 p.m. It'd be July 9th at like 11 o'clock at night. That'd be like, yeah, yeah, better sh- better do this. But don't don't wait in there because we might yeah, we might have some follow-up questions f- from you just to make sure we have full scope on what, what you are submitting. Um, what other questions have you had in there? Um, I think just people, we, yeah, we always have this, um, there's an optional element that, you know, if people are looking to expand further on where it's, you can submit a video of yourself, a quick loom video, just kind of why you think this item you're submitting is worth submitting, or if there's any creative elements behind the scenes that aren't necessarily proven behind the data, you know, that's something to explain in, in the quick video. And, you know, we'll, we'll keep the videos for ourselves, you know, it's not like yeah, we're going to be not. showcasing this. It's more just like, yeah. hey, For team, this is, yeah. Hey, judges, this is why we thought this was worth submitting. And, um, and yeah, just kind of walk through it. Yeah, for sure. So, we yeah, had another one where they have multiple brands. And mm-hmm. the question was, do they need to submit two different submissions if they have different brands? And so the answer is kind of yes and no. If it's two different, say you're submitting for, a content piece, like a video, you did a beautiful master plan video and you believe like, okay, cool. This is the perfect example of a great master plan community video. And if, if that is for XYZ brand, and you also have another video for ABC brand, even though it's the same owner, same parent company, that would be two different awards because there's two different videos. But if you have a online sales team that supports both of those brands underneath the same parent company, and you're submitting it for the online sales team award, one of those, then that would just be one. So really think of it, not don't think of it as I have two brands, but like how many pieces will be judged. And then we'll kind of adjust from there if needed. But yeah, just go that route. Like I have two videos, then that's two different submissions versus two different brands first. When in doubt, shoot us an email. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which we've had, yeah, countless emails on this. More than happy to to answer those. So, all right, let's go on to our next one. And so this was a great article um, where we go here. An open letter to CEOs, why your CMO is thinking about leaving. And this is from Forbes.com. What did you all think about this one? Um, I, I put as my biggest takeaway was making marketing team earn their dollars and earn their credibility versus mm-hmm. having full trust in them. There is a part in there about micromanaging that not that we see it or don't see it. It's just, there's obviously a level of when you have team members and how involved you are, but also needing to understand that you need to set a a certain budget and feel confident that your team can spend it. Cause I think that's also something I have seen with some builders in the past is they just don't feel confident with the budgets they have, or the budgets are very tight. And so it's don't, don't make people earn their marketing dollars to, to prove their worth, just give them numbers and if they need to expand, 
above that, then just have the ability to, to, but to do that, but don't, don't make it too tight. Yeah. And then, and speaking of budget, yeah, an article talks about, and I strongly agree with Kevin talks about this too. You cannot have the budget micromanaged by someone else who's not in marketing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So you Mm -hmm. might like, but also on the marketing side, don't set yourself up to be micromanaged. So in our opinion, don't have a Google display remarketing budget, a Facebook ad remarketing budget, a Facebook ad budget, like just call that digital advertising. And it could be Google or Facebook because you have to shift that around on mm-hmm. your own, just as your needs change. And so if you have to go to someone else to talk about that, then it's just like this constant conversation that looks into the details and you have to like sell why you are changing the budget. But then also things where like, you know, we are with us, we don't want to have every dollar be this perfect attributable and measured thing because like say a podcast, you want to start a podcast for your builder. That will be extremely difficult to have a measurement associated with that or attribution of like, okay, we put the podcast out, we're getting 200 downloads per week, but your buyers will leave. So it's, there's, there's no good way, in my opinion, for a home builder to have analytics around their podcast because yeah. it's not like this podcast where like hopefully the people are listening are continuing listening week after week or they, you know, they go in phases, but it's a long-term thing that we're here for. But for eventually if I, a buyer, they're not listening to the podcast anymore. Why would they? Like they, they'll probably listen after they sign the, around the time they sign the contract or when they're really serious about buying the home and then throughout the initial process, but they'll reach a point probably halfway through where they're like, okay, I listened to everything. I'm, I'm probably good. And then they'll kind of ditch out. So you'll just be, there'll be people leaving. Um, like that space quite a bit. Um, and then also, I thought this was funny, asking them about sales enablement or account-based marketing. Fortunately, with us in home building, we're immune to all these like B2B and fancy agency speak words, um, especially this one. They, the article beat it up quite a bit, the account-based marketing, which is essentially that it's definitely B2B, but you're, you have marketing for different levels within the organization. But no one really agrees on the terms sales enablement. What does it even mean? Like everything should point towards sales. And that's really what the article talks about. It's like seeing headlines and then to having the headlines influence conversations with your CMO. And then now they have to spend the next week reacting to what you saw or whoever saw CEO, I think is what the reference about this thing that you saw, like while you're waiting to, at the dentist's office or something to get your teeth cleaned. And now their life is dictated by this two minute thing that you read in some magazine. Did you have anything, Becca? Oh, I was going to hop back over to budgets. Like, oh, that's I think it one. goes both ways. The um, ability to spend more, but also the ability to spend less. So like, let's say this year where we didn't need to use all of our budgeted marketing funds for the first half of the year, and maybe we don't need it for the second, but to have that not come back the following year, next year, and say, well, you didn't need it last year, so you're not getting as much. Yeah, so, that always, that's always the office skit where he's like, oh. if your dad gives you lunch or whatever whatever the skit is, where it's like, you have to spend the money to have, the money. keep the oh, yeah, money. The, lemon, the lemonade yeah. stand. Yeah. yeah. Mommy, daddy gave you $8. Now this year you want to ask for nine, even though it really cost you. And you're like, wait. Yes. Yeah. And then yeah. being able to shift those funds to things like content when you need it for your podcast mm-hmm. or um, some new videos for your website or YouTube or whatever you want, just to be able to kind of put them in different buckets without having Which one, freak out. One thing I do want to mention that I, 
I see people get caught up on constantly is, and we were briefly talking about that, Andrew, is that flexibility bucket in your budget for innovative items. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What do we usually recommend? Is it 1%, 2% of yeah, all of your? 1% to 2% of the whole mm-hmm. marketing budget. Should be experimental marketing. And that yeah. completely that just unaccountable. Be, yeah. <laughs> Which for just, some people, like, I th- yeah, some Kevin people need to be restrained, but some people, yes. um, and so that helps keep the other team being like, you, you can't go crazy and don't, don't rent airplanes both ends. and have banners because that's not oh. in the budget, please. Um, that's See, a very have, specific- um, yeah, I feel like that's such a Florida thing. Like that's you go to the beach on the weekends and like you will be blasted yes. with terrible ads. And now there's these awful ads and this ruins the beach. It's a boat with like this, I don't know, uh, probably 25 foot screen on it. That's like right past the buoy. So that's like where you the boats cannot go in front of unless you know there's certain rules with that. And they're going by and they're going so slow. And it's this TV ad, essentially. There's no sound, fortunately. And it's just like cruising by. I'm like, a boat billboard. A boat don't with, tell don't tell Kevin bill, about that one. It's a moving boat billboard that's digital. Yeah. At least usually it's like restaurants. But it's the annoying part, it's like all these tourist restaurants like living locally you're like no one eats there like don't go don't go there place is horrible all this stuff but it's oh my goodness yeah innovation budget yeah one or two percent forces you to spend or it keeps you restrained if you're like i went all in on tiktok blah 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 blah. yeah yeah don't do that all right on to the next one this one probably my favorite one from from this week employees are quitting instead of giving up working from home the drive to get people back into the offices is clashing with workers who've embraced remote work as the new normal so all of us here at DYC are remote. We always have been. I don't know if I could handle working in an office. And then pre-DYC, I was like two years on my own. So I've been remote for eight years, I guess. Mm-hmm. Eight years. Like I, it's, I don't even know. It'd be horrible. I couldn't do it. Some people I are like, the- I don't know how you do it. Like you're crazy. Yeah. I need to go to the office. Yeah, I think I'm the freshest off the boat of... Not interacting with people. Yeah, I I do. I miss certain parts of it, but I think the benefits don't outweigh the the commute, the stress, the extra hour. Especially now having a a young son, like yeah, how long would I see him during a day with my commute if it's you know eight to four was my previous schedule? So I think that goes along with and what I was talking about and why I think this article is great is what what a house is look like in the future now, because a lot of companies are just like, no, we're not going to renew our lease. Everyone work from home. Um, it is a huge driving factor. And I think people needing this extra space. I know a lot of, um, floor plans in the past have been extremely open. And I wonder if that's just been, you know, what, what, what the new homes will look like, or I, you know, like there's even businesses of like, she shed offices, like, for twelve hundred bucks, we'll install an office in your backyard, so you won't be interrupted. So, um, yeah. But I think <laughs> I think it it'd be interesting to hear what people's takes are because um, I think the turning point is now going back in in certain states. I'm I'm in Washington State, so it is. I feel like we're slower to we're so safe that it's too safe at certain points. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I'm hearing a lot of rumblings from people I personally know who are like, I don't want to go back. You can't make me. Don't don't do it. If two people are working from home, then the floor plan that you have has to change. 
So maybe you've outgrown like your two bedroom house because you have two, you know, a kid and now you don't have, maybe you have an office, but Mm -hmm. you need a second office. So I think it might change the way we design houses too, because more people will be looking for double work from home instead of just maybe one or. Yeah, I agree. And same with your background, like as we embrace videos, like we're, I I don't know, I'd say on average, most Mm of us are 10 to 20 hours per week on video. Kevin, probably more like 25 to 30 hours per week. And so what's behind you is important. Yeah. And so there's certain things that at least for us, we're like, oh, that that's like just, I don't know, how do I say this without offending anybody? But like doors can be kind of strange, like as a background part of a door. And so if you have an yeah. office, it needs to be, you need to somehow have a space that like, oh, that's where my desk is going to go when you're walking through, it's like touring or like in floor plan, like, oh, perfect. My desk can go right there. I could set my background up right there. Like mm-hmm. I'll look great on camera. Oh, but we can't put a second desk in there because then they're, I'm in their background. Now we need the two offices because we're both working from home, but you don't necessarily need, say you have four bedrooms. Now you have a fifth bedroom, six bedroom house. Like what is this? That'd be crazy. So there, I don't know. It'd be interesting if there's more creative right. solutions. I've also seen some builders um, add in, in office options for that, that are, um, you know, extra electrical, just as a, mm. like a package, not like custom, but like a, like the builder I, yeah. I, I built with KB, I saw them do that option down here along with like built-ins for the office and just embracing that as, as marketing, which I think is really interesting. I think that can be exploited a whole lot more is like a home for yeah. 2021 and beyond. I don't know if someone's already said that and that's why I said it, but just making it like, oh, this home is current. Like it's made for working from home, all these sorts of things before the sales presentation, like do it on the front end. So that's what they're seeing online versus just in person. And in a marketing world too, I remember experimenting with, you know, okay, kitchen picture, this is an ad, make sure to include the really nice home office, make sure to include the really nice home office because people go, oh my God, that is what I need right now. Please let me get that house. I need the separate space. I need my family over there and I need a a double door system. So, um, so in terms of, I think employees quitting, I'd like to see the stats. But, um, yeah, we'll I, know, have to I, see. I can't tell if it's like overhyped <laughs> a bit, but cause you see like the quotes and it's like, it's always a tweet. A quoted tweet is not journalism. Like it doesn't count. Oh my like, God. It's not real, yeah. not real whatsoever. Um, so then, that was the so first then, thought I saw. Yeah. And then that kind of loops into the next two news stories, which are fighting each other. I'm sure Andrew, you, they the are headlines fighting. are definitely are like, fighting. Yes. yeah. So we have what's it called? Clickbait, clickbait. Yeah, Later super clickbait. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. Vox. Vox does. Yeah, Vox definitely knows how to how to do things. Well, here's yeah, here's two different articles. Which one would you click on? Is there a housing bubble? Houses are getting more and more expensive. There's a simple fix for that. <laughs> or would you click on Zillow COO Jeremy Waxman argues housing bubble is no bubble? You click on the first one. Yeah. Like, you click on the first one. One's by Vox. One's by Enman. And they, so they go through here and it's really interesting. So we first have to, and we talk about this internally, what is a bubble? And I, I don't think there's any agreed upon definition because I think some people might go, well, it's only a bubble if the bubble pops. If it doesn't pop, is it a bubble? I think it's I an know. artificial inflation of the market. But if it pops. never goes down, does it actually matter that it went up? Well, the... I'm, I'm being difficult on professional. I know. Oh, I this know, was the this but, was the argument earlier because we were yeah. also talking about because if it the, never pops, like. But then, if it stays consistent pop, for I large cities, like mm-hmm. why would they use but, the word bubble? Yep. Yeah. But then now, let's say so. Seattle is still one of the hottest places to live. Yep. Super techie. You go an super hour amazing. east. Starbucks. Yep. 
Starbucks everywhere. Actually, yes, the Starbucks reserve, but so you go an hour (laughs) East and it's a, um, you're in Snohomish County, which is a lot more rural, very nice upscale homes, but the houses are still very expensive because now everyone can live over there and work over there. And, but Mm. give it now two years, or let's say people return back to work or, you know, the, the mass exodus that has occurred during COVID isn't happening. Um, the conversation, I think they're more putting as these pocket bubbles and where are these pocket like bubbles? neighborhoods, like, yeah, like, like, like little super tiny, local? hyper, super hyper okay. local. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I, I could think of some areas like that down here. Like there's Hyde park over in Tampa, yeah. like it's yeah. super walkable places that are like, mm-hmm. but just yeah. In demand. But so my, in my mind, and I can be wrong. That's the fun part of this. We could all be wrong. We could all be right. The bubble has to pop. There has to be some percentage of loss from whatever the price rose mm-hmm. to yeah. for it to be a bubble. But I don't think demand equals bubble. High no. demand doesn't equal bubble. Like toilet paper. There's not a toilet paper bubble because there. I don't think there was a price increase, right? So, But there was hot demand. So I'm trying to, like, there's a correlate. This high demand does not equal bubble. Bubble. No, yeah. there, I think there has to be more than high demand. More than. It needs to be yeah. like these things. It's like the WebMD symptom checker. It's like, yeah, okay, my skin has a rash. Okay, and I have a headache. You could have so many things. Like Do it we, doesn't matter. But we have to have like this, 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 and this. Like it's ands, not ors. Do we um, have high demand? Do we have sustainable mortgages? Do we have, you know, housing shortage? All, yep. Like all of those things were... Or is the market totally fine, but for some reason it's artificially inflated? And then let's take, you know, 2008 where the mortgages went bad and then all the other house of cards fell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I Steve, think that's the, Steve Carell taught me all about yeah. that. <laughs> that was a very which, good movie. Yeah. It was very good. If you haven't seen yeah. the big short, watch the big short yeah. and then read the big short too. Yeah. Um, on, on that. Yeah. That's. So, both articles also, do point out supply. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, and and in boxes that goes, is there a housing bubble? Housing or get is getting more expensive. There's a simple fix for that. They do come to the conclusion at the very end, of course, that it's just not enough homes. Simple is, fix. There's probably not. Yeah. Just yeah. get more homes. No big deal. Just build them. I need to um, I feel like someone uh Zonda, maybe I don't know if Zonda has the data on oh, it. Allie Wolf. Um, yep. Allie Wolf with mm-hmm. Zonda. As far as what supply is needed. What like just how many homes are needed? I don't know if anyone has that answer because like the supply is we have ridiculously low supply. Like how much more do we need to yeah. meet the demand? I don't. I don't. That I think that's, I like a, that's a really target. dumb question out loud, but I think it's like yeah. What yeah. do I, we? I, and then well, no, that the answer that. like what is then needed to reach that? How much lumber? How much this? How much that? How many builders? How many homes? How yeah. much land? Like, and that's where I think they lead to is like. It's not a bubble because that will take 50 years to get to. And 50 years, here's this new round of people. Yeah. And so it's it's not a bubble is what they're leaning toward. Other than I, I do think that pocket bubble concept makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's always been there. Where it's like this is a hot area and now it's not a hot area anymore. Yep. And then it just kind of ebbs and flows, um, which I think that's what Seattle's had. And probably New York yeah. to an extent where like, like I know down here, a lot of the the beach homes or any home on the water, like where I'm at in, in Pinellas County, west of Tampa. Um, there's been a lot of like New York buyers just buying them and sending offer letters to people that we know that just have a house, a beach house. Like here's two and a half million. 
And they're like, I took it because that sounds good to me. But at some point, New York's going to be, I mean, New York is New York. Like it's been New York for so many years. Like it, then that will return wherever wants mm-hmm. to be in New York City. You also feel like there's a, like once actually a big storm hits, people go, oh, wait, no, I oh. don't want to live here. And then uh, your yeah, value you don't goes, live on the beach. Yeah. Yes. Like hurricanes. Yeah, hurricanes. Yeah. I was time. just going to say that. One, sto- yeah. one season of plentiful storms where they have to like evacuate. I mean, that was me. I, I was just telling the story today. That was me in 2014 to 15. It got, I lived in Chicagoland. It got down to negative 33, 35 degrees. I, I looked at my husband and I said, it was, it, it was awful. I looked at my husband and I said, yep, moving. And that year you can go look at the data. No, I think it was like the most people left Chicago land ever because it just, you, you just, you had it when there's extreme weather, Mm -hmm. um, items near you sometimes. And so. Anyway, and then people come in and scoop up those houses and then things go back to normal in a couple of years. So, yeah, for sure. And And then on to the last one, Apple messing with us again. iOS 15 (laughs) brings new ways to stay connected and powerful features that help users focus, explore and do more with on-device intelligence. So I first saw this and I'm like, are you kidding me? There's going to be another iOS 14.5 issue. But fortunately (laughs) to me, at least, unless they're being sneaky, which they like to be sneaky, um, Privacy hasn't really changed from 14.5. Like, it's actually all cool features. Did I read it right? I'm yeah. pretty sure I did. Mm-hmm. I'm like, sure they'll sneak some things in there. Yeah, as we yeah. get closer. Like the, but, the Facebook yeah. data thing, really not Facebook. Every advertiser with Apple devices, you know, there's less data now. So attribution's more difficult, and then optimizing is more difficult. Um, but there's ways we're working through that to make it better. It's still working, so don't get alarmed with that. But yeah, there's quite a few features in here that are pretty cool. Did you all have any favorites? Oh, um, yes. Yes. The background blurring mm-hmm. for FaceTime. Yeah. yeah, that is super cool. Yeah. Um, I can Zoom do that now, or is it webcams? I feel I can't remember. Like blur your black your background. I know certain webcams can. I don't know who Zoom can, which is nice. Like um, I don't know if the Logitech Brio can do that i know uh, google I Google saw. meet does yeah um google meeting but i've just never tried it with zoom i just yeah this i, I mean like the screenshot yeah. put up, it looks perfect because, i mean it looks like like you're using portrait mode yeah except yeah. it's it's essentially live portrait mode so they definitely know how to do that which that makes working from home easy yeah, yeah. as far as like don't, don't look at my kids in the me. background as long yeah. as it doesn't like <laughs> pick up the face of your child that's running they buy on their underwear or whatever. And like, oh, there's my three-year-old. Don't worry about that person. I'm running by with like a bag of goldfish or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was, to me, that was the, the coolest one to find. I don't really use any wearable technology. I don't use any, like, this has tools to find focus. Like, I'm just not into the sorts of things. So I didn't get excited about it. Well, I think the the one interesting thing here was, I think you can set up times where you get alerts. So you can actually like... I I think it was just a better work-life balance with your phone was the tool as well as Apple um, iPhones want to become your wallet. They're just aggressively going towards that trend. They want to be your, yeah, they want to be your, um, your car keys. They want to be your house um, key. They, they just want to have, you know, obviously they've been doing the the credit card for a long time. Um, And so I think it'll just get more and more on trend. I, I don't use that feature of the credit card. But I, I have absolutely I mean, left my house without my wallet and been like, but I have my phone always on me. So yeah. if it was loaded, I think that would have been a good, yeah, yours is just, See, your, I'm like, your case is just. I'm living in 2023 20, with 
the I don't have a wallet. I just have like my phone with the card slot on the back. So if I lose my phone, I'm done. Like, sorry, <laughs> forget about him. Your identity is stolen. He's yeah, he's on. They got my phone. They have my license. I have a card. Um, and soon they'll be. Yeah, yeah. I guess if you had like a key somehow enabled on your phone, you'd be you'd be done. But I guess yeah, that's the point of like. But you know, face, the key would be Face like, ID, so they would be, be able to get so in. So as long as they can't like mimic my face with a picture, yeah, or something. 3D model, yeah, that's a lot of work for whatever they're trying to get from me. It's not worth not worth the effort. <laughs> you could, you could take it. Yeah, so I, think I think as yeah, I think as we get closer and closer, did it say an autumn launch for this? Yeah, I think we have some time, so they'll they'll give us more. Um, I think it was fall, the very very end. It says. Um, yep, this fall. Yeah, automatically this board fall. Um, I think as it gets closer, we'll obviously learn more details. See if there's anything else. Um, our builder partners and people need to know. Um, but it more seems like it's a visual update to their phones and it'll be very nice. And yeah, you're right back. I think that FaceTime tool is super nice, but I also just feel like they missed the window. Like this should have been released six months ago. Cause I feel like, I, I feel like a lot of things are like, Oh, look, everyone, these are work from home tools. And, and we just talked about everyone's going back to the office if they can now. So, um, yeah. kind of missed the boat a little there. Oh, well, who's the winner? Definitely, definitely. I don't know if we, so this week's question or last week's question of the week or post of the week, we talked about this. Did we talk about it actually on the podcast? I think it just kind of came up like your office scenario. Um, So Kevin put in there, contest time, going to the weekend. This was on June 4th. Essentially add a photo of your terrible office setup because we believe everyone should be comfortable in their office. They need two monitors. They need nice monitors. So if you have a 21-inch monitor, that's not going to cut it whatsoever um kevin's on like a 46 inch or something crazy it's a tv <laughs> i couldn't do that it'd be too too much going on but i have like a 32 inch here then a 27 there um so I'm, I'm pretty comfortable but essentially post your terrible office yeah by june 15th so we probably need to respark this by the time this goes out it'll be june 15th there will be a winner i believe but there's definitely some that aren't as bad as i thought and some were like i saw like oh those are some little itty bitty monitors. And I don't know what Kevin's plan is as far as <laughs> Kevin's super generous, which I think we all, we all kind of know that by now. So there does look like someone, um, Abraham, which he had, I think he had a question like a week or two ago. That was interesting. And he said, trust me, you don't want to see it. It's a laptop in a hall closet, <laughs> which sounds awful. If you've seen the office, there's um, Ryan gets put into oh, yeah. the <laughs> office, like, which is like in, in the kitchenette and it's like a closet. So that's what, <laughs> that's what this sounds like. So but then Kevin's like, that's the point. Post a picture of it. You get the free upgrade. So, yeah, if by chance this is out before the 15th, then post your terrible office setup. I do like this one from, from Jennifer. Uh, day Daycare has been closed all week. And <laughs> she's she's potty training her little one. And there's the little plastic potty right there next to her desk. Yeah, fun times. Fun times. Having three go through that. It's it's. Great. And that's why, oh my gosh, I can't imagine. But that's Fantastic. why I think when we talked about the houses and what they're yeah. going to look like in the future, just like get those locked doors, get those two, two <laughs> doors to the office. Like, it's funny. I see, I saw so many houses or office doors are like, oh, fully glass. So you can see through them. And now it's oh, just wow. like barn door, don't enter, sound, enter. you know. Soundproof. Not- yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, there's so many, so many opportunities with that. Um, I'm getting distracted here. From the marketing side that I think are minimal cost side if there's yeah. no supply issues to make your life miserable but just like if you think about like what does someone want in an office soundproofing 
right? They want it to look good, especially if they're on video calls all day. So mm -hmm. adding some type of trim work or a shiplap wall or, or something yeah. so that they're out of the, out of the gate like, oh, it could look like that. And then they move into their home and then everyone's like, hey, did you do that? No, 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 my builder did it. And so there's, I don't know, there's so many talking points, especially if you think about like they're on 20 hours a week of calls. That's mm -hmm. a lot of impressions, quote impressions for your product yeah. as a builder. Yeah, there's so many, there's a lot of opportunities there. It's pretty Definitely. cool. And then I love, I love this new question of the week going into next week. That was, again, a, we're getting a lot of good oh, guest yeah. questions. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, this was sneaky. Let me roll over to it because I just put this in in Slack. I put a post up on the on the Instagram. There's a couple on there. I said we run through these and we'll, we'll just, um, we'll make one the question of the week. This one here, and then we'll just talk about these. So Beth asked, and we could talk about this, best and worst website features in this crazy purchasing journey. Did you guys have any thoughts on that? It was Rather big question there, Beth. If you if you're listening right now, um, I think best features is I I saw two people do this. Builders have a single page for the status of every community. It's mm -hmm. not yes. even a feature. It's just a blog post that just has a single location to know what is going on. Um, yeah, two builders to know it's essentially a nice list. If you want to use icons, use icons. If you're able to make it, and it's not a um, significant amount of work, but it's just a list of the communities, the status, what appointment types, if you have different appointment types, are there home sites available? Are you just the process for each one? Because chances are the process for each community is a little bit different. And then at the opposite side of that, worst website features hmm. is really just inflexible websites that don't give you any flexibility to adapt to this market. I think that's almost in the, what's uh, Cranky Kevin, Agitated Andrew, oh, yeah. agitated Andrew would be like, <laughs> that is completely unacceptable. <laughs> if a web developer has no flexibility or if they're trying to take your wallet and your ID and your phone to do something that helps you not have an excessive amount of phone calls that are just crazy because of a feature on a website that should be kind of normal right we, now. I feel like we've seen a pause also. So I would say West, West worst website feature, but it's not necessarily worst it's just worst timing is the mm -hmm. chat the chat feature right now Ooh, that when yeah. you cannot when you cannot keep up your online sales team mm -hmm. just I, I i have not seen or heard luckily of anyone having this problem but i know that some exist out in the wild um of of chat features i know there was a texas builder um when we were at a summit two years ago just saying it's like they had people in the office to you know like sections of the day no qualifying um, information to have people oh, chat gosh. them. I don't know if you recall that. And and just so two full-time employees responding to chat all day with without asking for their email, phone number, anything. And so it was kind of just this like, I don't want to say an ex ex extra waste of time, but that's exactly what it felt like, I'm sure, as an online sales specialist, where it's just you know, over being overworked in this time of, of high interest. Um, so luckily I haven't, I haven't seen that builder continue that. Um, I believe I haven't jumped on their website in that long, but I think it's also, um, just something where if you're considering it, that is a good solution for a slower market and it's something to have in your back pocket, but it is still not, it's not ready yet to bring back. Yeah. Right now it reminded remind me, I'm like, I feel like I just saw this somewhere and Kevin had a tweet from just a couple of days ago. He's like, Oh. Nearly three weeks later, after a bot handed me directly to an on-site sales rep, I've gotten zero follow-up other than clearly automated emails introducing me to the concept of iBuyers. So not necessarily builder-specific, hmm. but that handoff process like between bot to human, 
Like it's just, yeah, there's so many bottlenecks there. It's like, and if there's already an overabundance of, of people reaching out, like let's not have like this new process we have to fix and optimize, like just go to what works and chances are the OSC, OSS to sales process is doing quite well compared to chat to whoever and then to whoever. Um, there's no reason to uh, to stress yourself out. And it's okay to admit it didn't work. Like, and that's where that experimental budget yeah. earlier from we talked about is like, okay, try it out. You know, is it is it built in your website in case you need to turn it on one day? Yes. But are is it on every day? No. And so I think also just setting the realistic expectations of following up with that. So definitely. And then Will Duderstadt, if you're listening, one, <laughs> super excited to have you at the summit. I've never seen Will at our summit. The, he went to the one that was before the year I joined DYC, so that's awesome. So he asked me, why do you love waffles? I like French toast. I will eat waffles. But yeah, order of <laughs> breakfast will be French toast, which there's a bunch of weirdos of us. We're left out of this pancakes versus waffle conversation because we're, we eat French toast, like egg stuff dipped. It's like mm-hmm. it's weird, but I like it. Um, and then waffles and then pancakes, but really any of it is fine with me. It's all the same. It's like... It's like tacos, different shape. You call yeah. it a different name. Right? And well, I will go um, chicken fried steak for my breakfast. Oh, so I man. should have a heart attack by 35. Um, we'll That's see. Good. <laughs> but don't, yeah, donuts, good it donut. would be good. Yeah. yeah. Somebody's got to represent the eggs Benedict. Is that you? Is that your go-to? Oh, man. Um, only when they have <laughs> crab eggs Benedict. Oh, okay. that's a good one. That and good, I can get my I used to, egg that's hard. Have you ever made eggs like, Benedict? I've I not. made it. Sounds awful. I made it once. I found out how much butter was involved, and oh, that was the, the last time. So much. It's a whole <laughs> stick. It should not exist, but yeah, it's so eggs, good. Like, no wonder I feel awful having like sixty <laughs> grams of fat in one sitting. A two thousand calorie so bag. It like, is very good. Your gallbladder right. is fine, but then you you eat that, and your gallbladder just like, what are you doing to me? This is terrible, <laughs> terrible stuff. But I can only eat one instead of two. Like, yeah, I can never just. That's yeah. good. That's good. Okay. And so for this week's question of the week from Ashley DeYoung, and I'm pretty sure this is what you meant. So if I'm wrong, then I think I might be wrong. Should builders have pages or groups on Nextdoor and Facebook and be the admins? So nine for each community. So hmm. I, I think I'm interpreting that correctly. Um, the community I'm living in, Artisan Preserve slash Artisan Estates, should KB <laughs> of setup set up a Facebook group for all of us to be in and should they be admins in the Facebook group? Yes, no, maybe. What are your thoughts? Terrible experiences with Facebook groups. There's probably a lot of them. Amazing experiences with Facebook group, anything Mm -hmm. in between. I think this should be a fun conversation to see what people think about this. Um, Are y'all familiar with Nextdoor? I used it for a small window and it's just people complaining about people okay. parking. <laughs> so, like, whose choose oh, car is no. this in front of my house? It's like, we're on a residential street. Who cares? Like, I it's don't like they, they just get out of your house. house. Yeah, exactly. It's Thanksgiving. Um, people have people over. Yeah. But I mean, that's, that's just my area. So if there's another area that's, yeah. that's highly, um, highly using it, go for it. Great. I think, I think we'll be able to talk about this now because we'll ask the question on Facebook and then it'll be live. So do, should we give yeah. our Two cents because yeah, I really want to. Because I, I can see, I feel like it's like the fight of me versus me, actually, because I see the oh. benefit and negative of both. And let me know your thoughts, Becca, mm-hmm. because I think what's nice is if you do start it, you control the narrative 
But that's not to say uh, someone won't just create a second one in the background and just be like the Facebook group of, you know, Happy Acres Builder Sucks and let's all join and and talk about Mm -hmm. it. But I think there's also the negative too is the expectation that you have to respond very quickly and it is a communication portal. So, uh, and I remember working with a PR specialist once about incidents and just understanding when incidents occur and how um, people talk. And it's almost better to not, let the narrative start. And so my recommendation is it sounds like it would be a great idea, but the probability that will, it will be a bad idea is too high and let people create it on their own. If they feel the need. Um, I don't know, Becca, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are stay out. Yeah. So it's one more thing to manage. It doesn't impact the sales funnel especially if you're in and out of neighborhoods pretty quickly. Like my neighborhood has one and I think it's managed by one of the homeowners Mm -hmm. and we have pretty productive, like good community communication on Facebook, but next door never really got going. So I I just, just, there's so much that you can manage with your time as a builder I think doing the front end is more productive than than trying to control maybe an unruly HOA on the back end. Like mm, you just kind of let them do yeah, their it thing. Gets, it gets there's part of there. me, yeah. There's part of me that's thinking that this is an, an actual like owner question to be like, okay, we've run into this problem. Like, here's a creative solution. What are your thoughts? And I think asking the the team. But I also hope that we don't put this question out in the world and someone does it without thinking too much about it. And you're right, Becca, it becomes a two-year thing to manage and that's not necessarily needed. I think it could go both ways, but I think it's mostly a no. Becca, you're like 70 or some odd homes in your community, 70, Yeah, and it's about 70, 69 or 70. We're right at 70. Yeah, it's definitely would be just like, because everyone has a negative experience with their builder, not Mm -hmm. the overall, but there is a moment that is negative. And so people yeah. talk about that, but the people talk about the positive, like it's usually, so it's, but in person it's yeah. different, but when it's online, it's mostly everything's perceived more negative. Like there's rarely this neutral area. I feel like where things are just like conversational and not you're the ranting or you're praising. Like it's, it goes one way or the other, but I think the yes could be, what if it's a master plan community and you're building in there for six years, seven years, like there's thousands of homes. Oh, and you're and trying you to have, build a sense of community? Uh, with master plan community, you have a on-site, whatever that, I forgot their their title, someone who's, Just who like manages. like a property management company. Yeah, you have plenty person. of amenities, like the, the director of amenities, whatever, who's on-site. They technically are not working for the builder. Maybe they, probably not. But that person could then be admin. They're, and who should make the group? Maybe then the, the builder does own the group. And that person is the main admin versus the community making the group for it. So I think that's a scenario. If it's a big, giant community, the builder should make it just to be the owner of it, not to manage it. And the expectation is not the builder to be in there managing. I feel like it just be warranty requests or like, hey, I'm planning this stuff and the dirt the builder put in sucks and my plants died. It's like, mm-hmm. well, okay. I yeah, if like, you if you like so many things that aren't the builders. If you if you what? push the story behind it better, like this is the neighborhood group where you guys exchange things and plan community events and like give away free things versus let's talk 
ter- you know, terrible home experience. I don't know. But, but I also think there's better solutions out there. So I'm still yeah, in, I'm still yeah. in the know. But I can't be. Yeah, I think it's you. only that scenario, and you only do it so that you own it and start it first. Oh, okay. So that then the person who's on site working is in charge of the amenities can then be in that group, and there isn't like a rogue community group that's not the official one, but not for the builder to manage like whatsoever. Yeah. That's I think that's a definite note. Builders should not be in there talking because it's it's just another channel for like warranty support that is unofficial. Notifications aren't as perfect yeah. as email. There's no chain. There's no history. It's like, ugh, it sounds like yeah. a nightmare. Yeah, good question though, Ashley. Yeah, that is a fun question. Yeah. I want to know the background on that question. <laughs> I, know, I know. I want to know if it's coming, <laughs> how high up that's coming from. What is happening there? Here we are today with Roca Music, the Chief Brand and Marketing Officer for StoryBuilt. Roca, thanks so much for joining us on a holiday weekend. Well, thank you for having me. I'm Neither really one of happy us to be here. Really realized this was happening. It has to do both with pandemic lifestyle and just how busy I think we both are. And especially That's it says something right. about you that you still showed up. I think most people have been <laughs> like, hey, I noticed uh, I noticed it's a holiday. Yeah, uh, I think me and my entire team are kind of living this agile work mentality now where um, all the days are are kind of blended and we get things done when we can and however we can just to keep it going. Well, I wanted to to have Roka join us today because we first interacted about two years ago when you joined Story, Story Built, which wasn't even called Story Built at the time. Uh, we'll get into that in a second. And it struck me from the very beginning that, that you were not from home building and, and you had different questions than most people would have asked in their first couple of weeks on the job. And at the time, the organization also was very different. Um, n- there was only scheduled appointments being held. You couldn't just walk in to visit a, a model without scheduling an appointment. Everything was sold when it was done. Things that a lot of builders are doing right now uh, mm-hmm. or, or ever since the pandemic hit and beyond. Um, and, and also just a huge rate of growth. So there's no shortage of things to talk about today because of the unique perspectives of both the builder and you personally. But I want to start with uh, something from your past, but I just couldn't avoid asking about, and I'm sure this annoys you because <laughs> everyone wants to know about it. But what did you learn while working at the Sesame Workshop that you still carry with you today? Oh, I mean, so much at that great organization um, I think the biggest lesson was actually from uh, the executive producer at the time, Carolyn Parente, who told me a great a great lesson about perception. And she said, "You can you can fight any battle, you can make any statement, but at the end of the day, it's perception." And I think I carry that with me into almost every single meeting that I have, um, where regardless of our campaign or regardless of our optics. What's uh, what's the perception and what does our clientele think we are trying to say? Um, I I, re- I lean on that observation from her quite often. 
Yeah, that's a great one because. And I mean, also be kind and um, <laughs> cookies are sometimes food. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. The, the perception part is really important because there's some people, myself included at times who will say, but perception is not necessarily reality, but it always is reality for the one perceiving it. That's correct. And, and that's, yeah. you have to balance both realities. And when you're trying to communicate something, um, who, who is your favorite, uh, Muppet character or Sesame street? Is there, I know there is a difference. I just, said oh, terrible, that's but. not fair at all. Um, but I have to say old, old school character, by the way, cause I haven't seen anyone recent old school. Well, I have an affinity for Abby because um, my big project there was Abby's flying fairy school. Okay. And Leslie, uh, the puppeteer for Abby is just the kindest and most brilliant um, creative uh, I've ever met. She's hilarious and, you know, thinks outside of the box, the entire, I, that, that, ta- that writer's table and that team of talent at Sesame street is, I don't even know if, if, unless you've experienced it or if you've really gotten to the granular, um, you know, behind the scenes, day-to-day work that goes into that programming with the amount of research that they do and the adherence to academic standards. The entire team is just otherworldly. You kind of have to be to want to push through all the stuff it takes to put that together, right? At the end of the day to push through and make it happen. Absolutely. And the amount of work that goes into a a season, it's just, it's, it's beyond. Yeah. I, of course, everyone loves Kermit, but Burton or Ernie to me were the epitome of right brain and left brain thinking or, <laughs> or extroverted, introverted personalities. It was, you got the yin and the yang on every segment that they were involved in. Yeah. And of course, everyone loves Ernie, but Ernie was only ever as impactful as his ability to contrast where Bert was coming from at the same time. Yeah, that's right. I, I mean, I would, I would argue that they do stand alone with their own personal style and, and belief systems. Um, but they are inevitably one of the power couples of all times. (laughs) I love it. So how do we get from the Sesame Street workshop in, uh, in 2009 to story built in 2019? How, how how did a home builder convince you that, or developer (laughs) convince you to, to hop on? Because traditionally home builders and developers are just so, left brain, logical, um, it's the sticks and the bricks and the, and the margins and spreadsheets. And that seems antithetical to where you, you came from in your mm, early career. Mm. Well, I, you know, I made the decision to leave New York when my children were two and three and working in television or as a producer that I did for many, many years or in the, you know, advertising agency world um, was not kind to uh, a work-life balance that, um, that gave me the time with my kids that I wanted. And so, um, decided to move to Austin and take a, a, a job there as an executive producer for a production company where I found that I, you know, even just commuting, I got two hours of my day back, mm. um, uh, right there. Is that still true in Austin right now, by the way? <laughs> Well, listen, Austin will complain about commuting, but I 
but I believe that's because they haven't lived in LA. So, um, well, that then that's not even true anymore. A lot of uh, people moving to Austin from LA every day, but, um, yeah, traffic's, you know, traffic's traffic, find a good podcast and everybody, everybody wins. Um, and then I, you know, I, I took over ownership of that company. I ran that company for quite a while. Um, but, you know, that life is still a lot of travel and, and you end up stopping doing the thing that you really love, which is all the creative. And um, when you own your own company and you become more of a business development and salesperson, which was not really what I was attracted to in the first place. And I um, actually lived in a story built home and I loved my home and I saw them uh, make a posting. It's actually kind of a funny story that I still laugh about with um, Chad Shepler, our COO. Um, he, uh, they made a posting for a, a kind of a unicorn role, a little marketing, a little branding, a little jack of all trades. And I emailed him and I was like, look, this isn't really a job, but I'm happy to kind of jump in here and, and help you kind of craft <laughs> the narrative. You're, it's, you're looking for a unicorn and you know, two years later, here we are. So it was it was the the best and probably most spontaneous decision I've made in a long, long time. I've wow. loved every well, that, minute of this job. <laughs> that then is one thing we have in common because the same thing happened to me. Now I I just didn't know enough at the time coming straight out of college to know that it was the same situation. Mm-hmm. But this this well, I, at the time still I think it was in the newspaper. I hate to admit it, but that I think that was I would think that was the truth in two thousand three. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I saw this this job posting and it listed off all these different marketing, advertising, communications, responsibilities. And then, and then at the end it said no experience required. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> this isn't real. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm going to go ahead. And that was the only job that I actually interviewed for the rest of the time. My dad had told me not to interview for a position, but to try to network and find someone who would create a position for me. And it was the only position I actually interviewed for. And then ultimately got with, with a home building organization, but that's, that's so, and interestingly enough, I can't give away all my secrets, but there is, I do know another individual who interviewed for the position that you now hold. And they were also from Hollywood. Huh? <laughs> that's crazy. So there must have been something about the ownership group that was, they did know something about the unicorn they were looking for. Well, you know, I think uh, one thing with our leadership is they, they're, open to hearing the, the other side of the story, Uh, you know, and when I met with them, owning my own company, uh, a lot of the work we did was kind of gap fill with larger tech brands and, and um, a lot of branding and marketing in the technology sector and consumer goods. And, and so I had a, a really interesting and diverse background that, made sense at the time when they were thinking about what was next. And they've, you know, Storybill's gone through a, a huge growth spurt, um, you know, from when Anthony Sala and Brian Diepenbrock started the company um, many years ago and, and really kind of formalized everything in 2009 to where we are today. Um, no longer just in Austin, but in Austin and Dallas and C- San Antonio, Seattle and Denver. Um, what a growth story. And so. Um, yeah. At the time, and and with Chad coming from kind of a, a tech background as well, um, he did some time at Instacart. Um, I think, I think what was attractive for, to both of us was how do we shake this thing up a little bit? Yeah, let's let's 
hop over to the product side and then we'll come back to, to you and your experience and what your team is doing there. Yeah. Uh, talk to us about what StoryBuilt was called previously and, and the decision to change the name and go through the arduous but sometimes necessary process of rebranding. Okay. So uh, when I started, StoryBuilt was called PSW. And I think I am under a pinky promise to never reveal what that actually stood for because Ah. it wasn't necessarily relevant to the brand nor where where we were building. Um, And so when I started, the initial objective was to kind of go through a brand evolution and wanted to take a step back, uh, go through uh, an audit of the brand and really kind of introduce what brand is into this uh, home building company. It, I don't know if it was ever really much of a consideration. And I think that's kind of true for a lot of uh, industries that, you know, have a specific product that they deliver. I don't know if they really think about the brand as much as someone from my background would. Right. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, there's a colloquialism that I love. It's, um, um, marketing is asking someone out on a date and branding is why they say yes. And Mm. I, and I think about that all the time and it's actually true. And so I wanted to really instill this idea that the brand was going to be a major driver during this growth spurt. And um, when we went through this brand evolution, we kind of retrofitting some ideas with the previous name PSW I what I really realized very quickly with all of the stakeholder interviews and going through that audit was there was no emotional attachment to it at all. Hmm. And at the end of the day, what had really happened was we'd outgrown the brand. And you know, a, a rebrand can signify a, a few things. It can signify that the the business has made some infrastructure changes and things haven't been going all that well. That wasn't the case with us. the The situation was that the the name was not doing us a benefit. And, uh, and I thought we could do better. And I think, um, once we kind of ad- admitted that there was no real brand loyalty to the name, um, and maybe some brand, maybe some brand recognition with the mark, their old mark, um, but not even significant enough to hold on to it. Um, once the idea of the rebrand came up, it was like uh, the the skies parted and everything started. Everyone got excited. And, and Everyone got so excited. It was like a rebirth. It was really such an exciting time. And this all happened, Kevin, from like day one, my first day there in April, two years ago to three months later. <laughs> so it was like, you know, in a, in a proper rebrand can take six months, a year, 18 months in, in the real world. But it ju- we just hit the ground really hard and fast. And I think we landed someplace that really works for this company. And I'm always curious because my, my background is, is, is in formal design and, and fine arts, hmm. which tells me that there's always more to what you're looking at and, and speaking and, and analyzing than is really there. If the, hmm. if the art is, is truly worth paying attention to at, hmm. at a different level. So Talk to us about what story built is designed to, to evoke or, or build upon over time. Mm. Uh, because obviously home is a place where you tell stories, um, live the stories mm-hmm. um, and you're, you're building anyway, I, I don't want to. But tell that's more. actually, that's really tapping into the core of it, isn't it? So, you know, we, I wanted uh, to lead us down a path where our 
brand identity and our ID system and our design and the whole aesthetic really helped us connect our brand with people. And at the end of the day, that's the goal, right? Connecting the brand with people. And during my stakeholder interviews, without fail, with every, within, you know, and we're completely vertically integrated. So we have everything from land acquisition through, you know, our internal design architecture team, civil, through, you know, marketing and sales. Every stakeholder interview within every vertical, um, it was, it was, uh, quite clear that it was all about the story. So even interviewing, um, you know, Michael Padovic or Kristen Padovic, the, the lead architects at StoryBuilt, they would talk about how, uh, you know, the land tells the story and the homes that they build, they were never cookie cutter and we didn't repeat designs that they were really trying to tell the story of this neighborhood and really integrate with the story of the community, um, even with the investor team and telling the story of the investors um, and that path and the story of our homeowners. And it, it just became so obvious. It was like the name presented itself in front of us and it was it was done rather quickly once we ideated around it for a hot minute. Do you think there's something about infill development um, from, from the cost of the land to the challenges of getting approvals to showing ultimate value to the consumer that it's worth the end unit cost that forces more of that consideration. In the single family world, it seems like it's clearly divided between developers, the really good developers think about that part of, of the equation. Mm -hmm. And the builder just says, give me my little plot of land on which I will build this standalone ironically, single family structure that's focused mm -hmm. on the story of that family and not a more comprehensive, broader looking story. I, it strikes me talking to you and, and spending time on your site that they're, and working with the folks at EYA on the East Coast um, who do a fantastic job of, of the same, same concepts, that there's something inherent to an infill developer uh, or, or density of a different style Mm. that that demands some of that. Does that make sense to you? Well, I I, I think so. I think it, with urban infill and particularly the way I think that we try to approach urban infill, it's really taking density and using it as an advantage in right. terms of building this community, right? We and that's, to be clear, other folks would just simply see density as an advantage to profit. <laughs> right, yeah, I, and I don't, I have never felt that way working with StoryBuild. I mean, obviously profit's nice and nobody's doing this, you know, right. for, you know, goodwill necessarily, but I do think that goodwill is part of it at StoryBuild. And I think that lends to the whole, you know, brand ID that we've come up with. I think they look at the consumer, uh, well, we look at the consumer as a, a an entire life cycle and, Part of building community is to help ensure that those homeowners stay with us from pre-sale through resale. Mm. Um, and hopefully, if they do leave our ecosystem, they purchase a new story-built home. Um, and I think by building community and really thinking about how, um, and we have a couple of developments coming up, Kevin, that are just like mind-blowing really in terms of how they execute against this thinking, but really how um, the neighborhood lives and breathes together and, and, and integrates with the community at large. So not just the, the, 
the parcel of our land that we build a community within, but the the community that that we rest in too. That's fascinating stuff, and and we could stay there for a long time. But I want to hop over because I I do like to skip around just how my how my brain functions to some of the tactical stuff that may or may not be your call, but. I'm curious how how much of some of PSW's original approach to sales specifically mm. in terms of uh, prioritizing walk-in traffic versus appointments, uh, selling at all stages of construction versus only selling when the, when the home is complete or nearly complete. What parts of those have remained intact or, or changed over time? Well, I do know that uh, uh, Do You Convert has been a big part of our conversation from the sales perspective, especially our online sales department um, since I began. And it helped us craft a really exciting and dynamic pre-sale platform. And I think in terms of our traditional sales team, it's it's really still a, still about you know connection with our client base. Uh-huh. Um, I think part of the challenge in the beginning was really trying to take a step back and look at the data and look at um, how we were marketing and look at how our sales team was connecting with con- our clients and and thinking was it the right way? Were we converting the way we wanted to convert? And were those conversions uh, sustainable or were they one-offs and, and really doing this kind of in-depth, in-depth audit of, of that whole sales trajectory. Yeah. Cause right? I, I think when you were smaller and like you said, I, I believe at least when um, PSW first came across my radar, you were only in a single DMA at the time. And when you're smaller and can be more selective uh, that, that almost sounds like you're starting to be less selective. That's not what I mean. But the energy is focused on a smaller number of projects that we're not going to let people see it and, or, or purchase it until it's done is probably mm. easier. Mm. And by necessity, because people groups will be different. Uh, cities are, are different. Um, cultures in those places are different. Uh, how much is transitory versus innate from within the marketplace is different. All that demands a certain amount of flexibility mm-hmm. that I think you then were able, it appears to, to develop over time where now you are selling with a bigger window for the consumer to consider uh, what choice they're about to make than maybe in the past. Um, so, so it sounds like appointments and, and the online process is still pivotal mm-hmm, for to sure. the company, but mm-hmm. that from a timing perspective, some flexibility has, has, has come into the system beyond now that that leaves me to ask questions, which I genuinely genuinely don't know. How much of the, your product is pre-selected and curated versus um, adaptable or or customizable or personalized in any way? Mm, uh, well, so during the pre-sale process, um, our clients do have the opportunity to pick selections. We're not um, we're not so customizable that it hikes the price up, like the price is the price, which I mm. think is you know part of our. Yeah. Consumers love that. Consumers love that. You know, we do have a, a great interior designer on our team, Holly, who um, is relatively new, like most of my team, but has, you know, really taken 
an interesting perspective on what that offering is and, and how to, you know, allow our clients to feel that ability to customize um, within the parameters that we offer. But also I think it's less stressful. It's like the difference between boutique shopping and going to the mall, you know, when you're, you have a really curated, fine offering, it, it may eliminate some stress for the home buyer, right? And you're not really thinking about, oh, if I decide to go with this stove over this stove, it's going to jack my price up or that all of that can create a lot of stress. And I think, you know, our clients really like the fact that they're going to end up with this stunning home with beautiful finish out, even if they didn't get to pick down to the, the doorknobs, right? Yeah, you would imagine it has to increase overall satisfaction in the, in the final product when you feel like you are making decisions outside of a cost price variable scenario. That's right. That's right. And I think it, you know, I think it can be a little, you know, even a little heartbreaking when you go in to buy a new home and and you see the home, you see the model home, and you're like, well, I want that, but that's not the price. You know, if you end up wanting that, it's going to be twice what you thought you were walking into. And then you feel like you're not getting what you wanted. And then yeah. there's compromise. And then with compromise comes, you know, dissatisfaction at some level. Right. And I imagine on some projects that becomes a challenge simply to communicate that is how it works because the perception is, well, that's the price that it says on the website, but I'm, I better factor in a couple six figures above yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think. I think that our clients really appreciate that. And when dealing with our sales team, I don't know if I can recall one time where our, our clients were really frustrated that they didn't get to pick, you know, a different backsplash, you know, then they can still do those things. Right. Exactly. But then that's a choice that they're making, but they don't have to make that choice. And they definitely don't have to um, keep, you know, watching their price tag uptick, uptick, uptick. Right. Well, a story build has grown from a, a one market builder to five markets and counting. Um, mm. what does your department look like? How, how much of it, um, for, first of all, just number of people roughly. Mm. And, and mm. I guess we should qualify too, if that, if that includes people who aren't traditionally in a marketing role in some companies, online sales, for instance, reports through marketing and others through sales, et cetera. Mm. So. Well, so the online sales team does report to me. Okay. Um, and we are, when I started, we were a team of two. And now we are, uh, I think, 12 Whoa. And, and growing. Um, but that's a little bit of a land grab for me because, uh, you know, one of the things I wanted to do was build our team like an internal agency and right. operate as such. Uh-huh. And so Love part that. of that is owning our own IP. And so developing our own website, doing those, uh, you know, integrations with the syndication platforms ourselves, and, um, you know, having a team that has the skill set to do all of those things, um, being in five markets with as many communities as we have in the pipeline right now is um, a, a huge undertaking especially in the cities where we don't have the brand recognition that we do in Austin. So, um, you know, Dallas, where we're, we have a couple of uh, big projects coming down the pipeline, um, Denver, which is going to launch three projects over the next couple of years. Um, and even Seattle, where we do have a smaller footprint and launching these big, what we call elephant projects that are these big mixed use retail office, um, single family condos, um, 
there's a lot of work to do and we're going to have to grow um, significantly over the next 12 months. Okay. So if online sales is part of marketing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have to ask other questions in terms of uh, is any part of product development under marketing or are there any individuals that are, or is that a collaborative process? It is collaborative and, and we have a, you know, we, we definitely come together as a a larger team to talk about product development Um, and, you know, product, not necessarily just being the homes that we design, but other things as well. Right. as we try and innovate and really, you know, think about what's next in this industry and what's next for us. Okay. Those are all very top secrets and they would have to kill me if I told you. No problem. (laughs) How many of the, of the 12 would be considered corporate roles versus, um, in market or, um, Oh, that's interesting. You know, um, my team, and I, I will maintain that it's the best I've ever had. Um, all are in the trenches. We all are, and, you know, in any given day, because we're, we're still pretty small for all of the things that we need to be doing. And because we've upped the ante and all of our deliverables and we want to continue to yeah. improve and grow. And we've moved away from, you know, our kind of status quo marketing flyers and, and things. We're really trying to, to take the opportunity to elevate everything across the whole ecosystem, including our investor relations um, division and launched a new website for our investors only. Um, we have our new website. Each community now has a microsite. And so all of that comes with design and ideation. It all comes with, you know, considered um, outreach, community outreach, where we're doing these partnerships with rescue organizations and, you know, street artists in all the different regions. And all of that takes just a, a wealth of time and skill. So everyone's wearing eight hats um, and they're qu- quite tireless and, and just the best hardcore, <laughs> super driven team ever. I love the fact that you mentioned street artists in passing as if that was a fairly common point of discussion. I guarantee from everyone else listening, this is the only podcast they will hear that term mentioned related to anything having to do with housing probably in their entire lifetime. Listen, we're, we're urban infill. So we work in the cities and part of the thing that makes each of the cities where we build so great is that authentic street art and bringing those artists into the environment with us and collaborating with them has been such an exciting and motivating and creative way to connect with our community. You know, please go to Frank Alley at, at our headquarters or go to the beautiful Otomi murals at Willa uh, on South first in Austin and, and look at the seeds of change mural that Ruben did in, Love it. It's just so much beautiful art out there. I mean, bring it into our, bring it into our developments. Yeah. If if you want to just have your mind expanded, check out anything related to story brand and what Roka and her team have done. In fact, I was, (laughs) I was watching your YouTube channel and I still, there's a, there's a video that I, 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 again, I have to ask, I, I can't not ask (laughs) the the meet George video is, (laughs) is now I've, I have family in Austin Mm-hmm. Um, so this strangely, I don't know why it doesn't seem shocking or, or strange to me at all that we'd be looking at. Is it a parrot? Um, <laughs> he's a red lore, uh, Amazon red lore parrot. Yes. Yeah. With a neurological disorder. 
um, h- hanging out in what looks like a very Austin style locale. Yes, he's at the, he's at the Austin Rescue Zoo where okay. we're partnering um, to, you know, community branding is this thing, right? Like, yeah, you know, gabled quarters or, you know, bluff of whatever, like it, emerald greens, like there are all these crazy brand names. And we decided quite early on that another point of uh, connection that we could have with our community would be partnering with local rescue organizations. Mm. And so we've adopted this platform and now every community partners with a rescue and that community's named after that rescue. And George um, is a parrot from the Austin Zoo. And so we make a a nice contribution. And then, you know, it allows us to also do some platforming with our communities for volunteer work or engagement with that particular organization. You know, YouTube is not a platform that just automatically replays what you're watching. So this is an intentional choice, but I think I have watched that video five or six times. There's just something (laughs) about it where I, I don't know what part of me it's speaking to because also uh, from, from a very tactical, logical side of the brain, you're like, this doesn't make sense. And yet there's something about it that makes (laughs) makes sense to some portion of my, my soul, I guess. I don't know. Just watching this parrot. You know, listen, like we also really wanted to make a concerted effort to acknowledge that we're not, um, you know, we're not taking ourselves too seriously. We want to have a little fun and Mm -hmm. bring our, clientele into, you know, a a little bit of a wink and sometimes just a little irreverence when we, when we go down these branding paths and working with George or, you know, watch the Willow video or the Frank video, like they're hilarious and working with the pets has been so much fun. um, Way more fun than working with a true influencer. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) You know, but even like, even with our street naming, I think one of the communities in Dallas, um, the, the rescue is goose from the the Dallas pets alive. And these are no kill uh, rescue organizations. We're so proud to partner with them, but goose, the street names are named after the call names from um, top gun, top gun. And then at George, the street names are for famous fictional Georges like McFly and um, Jetson curious, you know, so we're just trying to have a little fun, right? That is, that is fun for sure. Okay, wrapping up. Uh, okay. From when you joined uh, PSW in 2019 to now, now being at StoryBuild for over two years, what's yeah. been the thing that has surprised you most, or or caught you off guard um, from from your initial preconceived ideas of what this would this role would be like? So both industry, company, uh, role, any of those are, are fair game. I think with the company, what has surprised me the most was how, um, you know, they had, uh, they had a, a, an executive team intact and, and those, you know, founders and, and owners still uh, are still very much engaged and to just be, you know, I'm a bit of a rebel and I want to shake things up and I, I'm constantly asking, well, just because they've always done it this way, we're not going to do it that way or just trying new things. Mm -hmm. They have just let me and my team get into the sandbox and explore and play and, and take risks in a way that a lot of companies that are so established in the trenches um, wouldn't typically do. And I think that makes our work 
fun and engaging and collaborative. And it feels my team, I think, feels always extremely supported to take risks, which is uh, what has been the most exciting thing for me. And extremely rare. Um, I think extremely rare. Yeah. And I, and I do think it's paying off. I think, um, you know, my team's happy and engaged and I think our clients are excited and having a lot of fun with us right now. And we're lucky to be in markets that are growing really rapidly. And I think the, the hardest thing for us right now is just that, that, um, there's such a need for homes Uh everywhere uh, we build and, and not enough supply. Um, so, you know, that's a, that's a challenge I think our industry is facing and we're facing it for sure. Well, I'll preface this by saying this, this next thought I have is absolutely a compliment. Okay. Uh, just in case it doesn't <laughs> feel like it at the very beginning, but you know, most home building organizations I look at from the outside or from what they present on their website. And I can very quickly say, I get it. I understand it. I even having, having been in home building since 2003, I can understand and and kind of process 90% of of how the sausage is made, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, yet when I go to any restaurant anywhere in America, other than McDonald's or fast food, because I've I worked mm-hmm. there as a as a kid as well, I have no concept of how in the world they're able, like how how can all those things come out predictably, taste really good, have such wide variety, different ingredients, different everything it like i i can't comprehend how restaurants work i've watched i've watched shows on how it works i've <laughs> i there was a period of my life where i watched nothing but food network for probably 2 years i i mean i m- logically i kind of understand it and yet in practice i don't at all uh in, in real estate really the only thing traditionally comparable to that to me would have been projects like a casino in Vegas, you know, mm. uh, or a commercial property where the the blueprints are a foot and a half thick and, mm-hmm. and, and diagrams and schematics and all of the thinking that's gone into it. But I have to say, again, just perusing and finding out about the company from from afar, which is why I was so happy that you agreed to to come on is I, I understand why there's 12 people mm. fully. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand why there's 130-ish total in the company entirely. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. when you just look at, I mean, some people say things are different from community to community, but it's, it's 5% different, right? It's cosmetic, it's elevation. And when I look at the types of homes being built at Scout compared to Winston compared to Felix, mm. I don't know how I you're know. doing. I don't, I, I, it's like a restaurant. I, I can't, I know, right? I, I just don't know how that's happening. And it's obviously happening because a whole bunch of people are working really, really hard, but. A whole bunch of people are working really, really hard. And I think there are some big visions and big dreams. And I think we, you know, are trying to satisfy the need of a a really wide demographic. That's, that's probably the biggest challenge, right? We have different, a variety of price points and all of our homes are unique and, um, and we build in a variety of places. And so trying to connect with that client base consistently and give them what they want is it's a challenge, but it's also, you know, part of what makes StoryBuild such a fun and exciting place to work. It's such an exciting time to be at this company. 
Well, thanks again for taking time out of your holiday weekend to sit down and talk with us and uh, share a little bit more about Story Story Built and about you and your career and and the team that you have in place there. Really appreciate it. Definitely everyone listening, check out the links in the show notes to both uh, Roka's profile on LinkedIn, as well as to the company to learn even more. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Perfect. Well, that is it for this week. For published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check out deconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, not TikTok, and everywhere else we are online. See ya. Or maybe TikTok. One day TikTok. Who knows? Jackie's going to be on TikTok. I'm going to be famous. (laughs) 